John chapter 8. The Gospel of John chapter 8. We have been talking about the Ten Commandments over the past, I think now, uh, 11 weeks. And we've only got one more after today, so you'll be free from the Ten Commandments, but not free from obeying the Ten Commandments, but rather me preaching on the Ten Commandments. Um. Our saying uh, throughout this series has been to say that the Ten Commandments are not obsolete. They are absolute. Alright, so just bear that in mind because Jesus even believes, I hope you've seen by now, that Jesus believes in the Ten Commandments. And He believes they should be obeyed. And they go to the very heart of the matter. They are the foundation of the rest of what God is going to say to them. So He creates this nation out of this family, starts with a family, then he goes to a nation, calls them out, and he reveals himself to them in these ten words. The, or you could call them the big ten, uh, if you have a football um, persuasion there. <clears throat> Hear these words from John chapter 8 and verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in My Word, you are truly My disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now skip down to 39. They answered Him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill Me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your father. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and am here. I came not of my own accord, but He sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear My Word. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. Your Word is truth. Your Word is holy. Your Word is living and active because You, the author, Holy Spirit, are living and active even in us this morning. Not just in this room, in our very hearts. Speak to us now in the next few moments we have together. We pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Correct, they'll never hurt you. They will kill you. Words are the most powerful thing in the world. Wars have been fought over words. Wars have been stopped over words. Marriages, families are built on words. Nations are built on words. How many people did did, uh, Patrick Henry inspire by his one phrase made of words? Give me liberty or give me death. It's by word and the word and words from God that the worlds were created. And it's by a word that you are named. A word that you define yourself. Words are absolutely important. Um, And today is no different with this commandment. Do not bear false words. Do not lie. In other words, if you want to translate it into our modern times, do not lie is the ninth commandment. A very simple commandment. And yet, as you can see with kids that aren't even, you know... Teenagers yet, they've all lied already. You don't have to teach a kid to lie. I mean, I don't really know of any household that they teach children to lie in. And yet, children naturally lie. They want to cover themselves. They want to hide from the situation. And so they lie. And we lie. What has to be taught is telling the truth. What has to be taught is real honesty. So this morning I want to look at this ninth commandment in the context of what Jesus is saying in John 8. Jesus is always shocking, isn't He? At least He is to me. If you really read His writings, we we a lot of times make an idol of Jesus, make Him into who we want Him to be, which is kind of a lovey-dovey, hippie, 60s kind of peacemaking dude. That, that's, I mean, I don't, I don't see how you get calling people children of the devil is really peacemaking. Uh, I, I, I've never personally called anybody a child of Satan uh, to their face. And Jesus looks at these guys and said, the reason you can't bear to hear what I say is because of your father. And they said, look, we only have one father and it's God. He says, no, I come from God. You don't listen to God, therefore you listen to your father who is the devil. The father of all lies, and when he lies, it comes out of his natural character. Which is why we are born under the curse. We are born naturally children of the devil, not children of God. If we were born children of God, then there would be no need to be born again. But instead, no, the command is be born again. Why? Because our natural inclination is to to follow the father of all lies. He's been lying since the beginning, hasn't he? It 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 was where we first messed up as humans. He just simply says, will you surely die? Really? Is that really going to happen to you? No, no, you won't die. You'll just become like God. And she says, okay, that sounds great. Everybody wants to be like God. And she takes the fruit. 
And subsequently, Adam takes the fruit. And subsequently, you take the fruit and also myself. We've all bitten the fruit because we believed a lie. We've lived a lie. And we've told lies. We live in a world that is often based on lying. That our commercials are pretty much known as liars. Right? I mean, my, son, my sons watch these commercials on TV while their shows are playing. And they come out telling me that this will happen if they buy this. And I said, no it won't, son. Nor if you put on acts today will women flock to you like birds. Just because you have have on a certain type of deodorant. Um, Eating a hamburger from Hardee's doesn't make you beautiful. Uh, These are lies that are all around us. Politicians are known for lying. Lawyers are known for lying. And many others, such as mechanics, construction people, all seem to be lying in their fields. And it's an amazing thing when you finally find a mechanic... When you finally find a builder, when you finally find a lawyer or a politician who isn't a liar, and it's almost shocking. It's almost the name of the game. If you're going to get ahead in life, you must lie. And that is the lie. And we've all bit. We've all, we've all believed that if we'll do this one thing, we can get what we want. This quick fix. You know, these um, <clears throat> tabloid magazines, we used to call them when I was a child, Lying magazines. Because they're just filled with lies and rumors and gossips. This morning I want to talk to you about this ninth commandment. And the way I want to phrase it, uh, phrase this message is in three movements. The first is to look at the prohibition. What is it prohibiting us from doing? What is it protecting, uh, what is it protecting in life? And then also, who is it pointing to? <laughs> Which ought to be clear. The first thing that it prohibits is lying. Just point blank, lying as, as you know, <clears throat> Nick had the best definition, it's, it's saying something false. It's believing something false. It's misconstruing some type of communication or information or truth. So you know the truth and you fudge the truth. You distort it. You grayen it rather than tell it as it is. Now, we've all participated in this. Uh, There's nobody that's exempt from this. We've all told white lies, little lies. We've all stretched the truth. Uh, We've all done things. And you have to ask yourself, what really does it come down to? I mean, if my wife asks me, does this dress make me look ugly? And I think that it does. Do I need to tell her the truth? It's an interesting question. Do I need to be blunt with people? Because some people, you know, there are people in the world who, who think they are truth tellers when in fact they are simply rude. That is not truth telling. Because that is from your perspective. You know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. There is real truth to that. When you look at someone, you may not think they're beautiful at all, but that doesn't mean everybody does. There's beauty in each one of us. When you look at the handicapped, what do you see? Do you see yourself as superior? I've been in a place where I felt like I was looking at Jesus Christ ministering to some of the least of these, not children, but instead people who didn't even know you were in the room. Their mind was so out of it at Whitfield in Jackson, Mississippi. Mental institution. 
where they literally locked people up. And he went through there moving about, touching people, hugging on them. You know, this I'll never forget this one lady, she's sitting over in the corner. <clears throat> he comes up and he says, He says, It is so good to see you. I love you so much. He said, Get the blank away from me. She's just screaming at him. And he just hugged her and loved her. There's another one sitting there drooling for the whole hour that we were there, about this far from the desk. Never even moved. I don't even know if she blinked. And he loved on these people who we look at as ugly, as distorted, and as handicapped and beneath us. And he went into those places. And I'm not kidding you, when I saw him touch them, it was like seeing Jesus touch people. You know there's ugliness in you like that? You may cover it up real nice by the clothes you wear in the house that you live in, the car you drive. But you know what? If there's black ugliness, darkness in your life, it's because your Father is not God who is only light, but rather Satan, the devil who's been lying since the beginning. You believe a lie. And we've all done it. We've all believed a lie. And we've all told lies. No, being rude, you know, acting like you tell the truth about people, you don't know all about people. Have you realized that yet? There's a lot going on in people's lives. When you see one little slither, you can't make an observation and an assessment just in that moment. And when you do, you preempt yourself and you sin. When you make a judgment like that, that's what the Bible is talking about when it says, do not judge. If you don't know somebody, you have no right to be judging their life just as if they don't know you, they can't be judging your life. Jessica helps me out greatly in my own personal life because I have rough edges. Um, you know, I don't do small talk very well. Now, if we're going to talk about something of substance, I'm, I'm right there with you for the next hour. But small talk is just tough for me. And so she helps to soften other people's view of me because she takes over with the small talk with our neighbors, for instance. Uh, you seem like neighbors always want to do some small talk, you know, and she's good at that. And so this is where we compliment each other, but you could take me the wrong way just because I don't, I don't do that kind of stuff. But you don't really know me. My heart's not that. It's not that I don't want to be around you. It's just I can't. I don't know what. I don't. I just not me. It's just not me. And everybody's different. And when we look at each other, we see these things that we're like, oh, it's weird that he did that. We're all weird to each other. You figured that out yet? That's okay. It's okay to be weird. It's okay to accept weirdness. No, being blunt and mean is gossip. It's not telling the truth. So, do not lie. The psalmist in 116.11, he says, everyone is a liar. (laughs) Well, this is true. We've all been there and done that. And also gossiping. So lying and gossiping are both prohibited. Uh, Disclosing another's private life just for fun or just because you're superior to them, you feel like, that is sin. If you have information about somebody and there's no reason to disclose it, then there's no reason for you to disclose it. Now, you know, there are situations where things must be said. Even from a professional standpoint, if somebody tells me something, I legally can't say things unless someone is being abused. A child is being abused, and I immediately had to report that. Some people don't deserve to know the truth or to withhold the truth. Sometimes your silence 
is just as much sin as if you're gossiping. So if somebody's talking it up, I mean, have you ever been in one of these situations where somebody literally, for the purpose of meeting, is to, they literally meet to talk about people? I don't understand that. I really don't have time for that in my life, but people do this. They have lunch with people just so they can talk about other people and run them down and gossip about them. And you know what? I've seen it on their faces. They get so excited the moment you're about to tell them something and they have this truth that nobody else said and they're waiting for it. And, and it's an obsession and it's sin. It's wickedness. And Satan does that. Is, is Satan not, literally his name means the accuser? When we're sitting there talking about people, running them down for the purpose of lifting ourselves up or getting a good story out there, or being the first on the scene, I mean, where's my cell phone, baby? I got this. That's accusing people. Running them down. Destroying lives. With your words. With our words. It was words that led us into the first temptation. It's words that lead us into our own temptations. No gossiping. Instead, Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. No corrupt word. That's tough. That's not some easy command there. I'm telling you, that's tough for me. And I don't even feel like I'm the, I, I do a lot of gossiping. It's not a pastime for me. And yet I find myself still letting corrupt words come out of my mouth. Also, the worst kind of thing that's prohibited from us is living a lie. Not just lying, the act of it, or gossiping about others, either maliciously or not, but living a lie, being double-minded, living this, living this double life. You're one way here, you're another way there. That's a lie. We are to be pure and innocent children of God. What is purity? When you go to the grocery store and you buy, when I, I'm, I'm sometimes told to go to the grocery store and buy certain things, I'm told to buy pure sugar. Now, what, what, what is pure sugar? Does that mean it's holy? It's got like a halo around it? No. no. Pure sugar means there's nothing else in there but sugar. It's one thing. It's a unity. That should be your life. Your life should not be double-minded. Rather, a single eye. A single focus. And only God can do that for you, by the way. Look, I've, <clears throat> I've tried to live the Christian life on my own strength, and you will always find this division in your soul. This struggling back and forth to do what is right. You know what to do, you don't do it. And God can deliver us from that, Romans 8, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes in there, it's not you any longer struggling to define yourself, struggling for an identity. No, instead, He defines you. God defines you. God tells you who you are. You see, some of us have listened to a lie. About ourselves, somebody told us that we were ugly in this part of our life or that we couldn't do it or, or we were worthless. I mean, it, it, it boggles my mind, but some children grow up never hearing the words, I love you. Never being affirmed in what they do. Worthless. 
That's a lie. And some of us have believed that lie. We also believe the lie that, <clears throat> that we can never change. That's, that's the biggest lie that Satan wants you to believe is God just wants you to, He just wants to forgive you. He doesn't want to change you. He doesn't want to make you clean. He doesn't want to make you pure and holy. He just wants to forgive you so you can keep living the way you want to live. If He can pat us on the back and get us back out there in the world doing our own thing and just thinking we're forgiven, hey, He's done His job for the week. You have believed a lie. No, you must be changed. You must stop your sinning. God's not playing the game. He's not on our back with a carrot out in front of us that we'll never be able to reach, laughing at us. When He says be holy, when He says be perfect in love, He means it. And that means we can do it in the Holy Spirit. Not by ourselves. Never by ourselves. But in God's Spirit we can. <laughs> Living a lie is the worst because it's hypocrisy. Jesus is strongest on the hypocrites, is He not? Not on, not on blatant sinners. People who know they're sinners. The tax collectors, they know it. No denying that. The prostitutes, they know it. But the people who want to look nice and present themselves as righteous and yet live unrighteously, have darkness in their heart, deadness in their heart, those are the ones that Jesus calls a bunch of snakes. Following in the pattern of the serpent himself, Satan. The second thing is not only what, what this command prohibits, but also what it protects. What does it protect? If it prohibits us from lying, prohibits us from gossiping, prohibits us from living a lie, it also protects the truth. Truth. What is truth? That's a big philosophical question, isn't it? Oftentimes, people will say that truth is relative. And I ask them, well, is that truth relative? But I agree with them on this point. The truth is relative in a way. Even though it's objective and absolute, it's relative to Jesus Christ. Isn't it? Every, the truth about flowers. The truth about DNA. The truth about uh, the stars. The truth about math is all connected and relative to Jesus Christ because all things were created through Him and by Him and for Him. I can't, it's hard for me to believe it, but God actually likes math. He's the one who invented it. I don't. But a lot of you make a lot of money off of math. Thanks be to God, He's the one who created it. All truth ultimately finds its home in God. He is the God of truth. <laughs> so truth is personal. It's not something out there floating around there with God. It is God. Truth is Jesus Christ who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Also, it protects us from character assassination. We've all sinned and fall short of God's glory. Do you want somebody going and assassinating your character over sin that you've committed and asked God to forgive you of? No. And the Bible protects us from that. This command, do not lie, do not bear false witness. If you have asked God... This is, this is crazy right here, guys. Listen to me. If you've asked God to forgive you of your sin, it's gone! 
He's forgiven you. You're cleared. No one is to accuse you of something that you've done in the past that you've gotten forgiveness over. Sometimes the things that we do have other repercussions, but as far as from God's perspective and running down your character and other people running down that character, it's not going to happen. It's as far as the east is from the west. It's cast into the deepest sea to be forgotten. You are forgiven. Praise be to God. You are forgiven. And so it's the golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. So, if you want to go assassinating people in your own life, if you get your jollies from watching people fall, then you're going to be judged more difficultly. That's what the Bible says. You're going to be judged on how you judge other people. Well, I want to be gracious on that judgment, don't you? We ought to be. And most of the time we're not. Most of the time we're the first to stick the knife in. We're the first to pick up the stone to throw it. Remember Jesus' challenge to the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. Hey, whoever's without sin cast the first stone. They all left. I wonder sometimes if we would have been there, if we wouldn't have picked up a stone and still tried to throw it. Because we lie to ourselves. We think we're better than other people. We put ourselves before other people. And the Bible says, no, that is not the way to live. But instead, you ought to put others ahead of yourself. That's tough. That's tough in a world that's dog-eat-dog to put somebody else before your career, before your promotion, before you in the grocery line. And this gets real practical. This is not some kind of heady stuff. Now, we all have to talk about each other in a way. I mean, you know, if you went through your life and never talked about some, you know, people, you, you're not living with people then. I mean, we have to talk about each other. So here are some guidelines for when you're talking about each other not to be gossiping. The first thing is it better be constructive. In other words, it better not just be for you to enjoy talking about somebody. You know, just beating them up. Yeah, this is great, man. Oh, give him an uppercut. You know, a couple below the waist. No, instead, it ought to be constructive. If not, if it can't be a constructive conversation, like to actually help the per- person for the purpose of helping the person, then you just need to not say anything. That needs to be it. You just need to keep that information to yourself. Because if you were on the other end... The golden rule again, if you were on the other end, you would rather people just keep that information to their self. I mean, growing up in a, in a pastor's home like I did, I knew a lot about a lot of people that a lot of people looked up to. And so I learned very early on to keep my mouth shut after a few slip-ups. So just keep your mouth shut. If you can't say anything good, just don't say anything at all. It's the old aphorism. And it works. The second thing is this. Make sure that the hearer, the person you're telling it to, is actually a trustworthy person. In other words, if I'm going to tell something about somebody else to someone, I'm not going to tell somebody that I know is going to spread the word. Um, You know, get on the horn and start calling more people. Uh, No, I'm going to tell it to somebody who I've already trusted with information and they were able to hold that. 
Now we all, you know, the reality is we know who holds information and who doesn't. So this is already something that's out in the open, and you can improve that though. Here's that's the good news. If you fail on these things, there are plenty of things that other people fail on other things. That's why these Ten Commandments, these Ten Commandments hit us all. Let's just be honest. They hit us all, if we're honest. Uh, the, for, the, the third thing here is that you ought to relate that person's problem to your own problems. In other words, when I'm talking about somebody, I ought to say, you know what? They do that, yes. But you know what? I, I do something kind of similar. Or I've done that before. I want to have grace. It helps you have grace. It helps you bring yourself down and make sure you're not just rising up on them. I mean, that's how I, that's how I feel sometimes in conversations I hear is that, that we just rise up on people and, and basically assassinate them as far as their character goes. And the fourth thing, probably the most important thing, is after you've talked about them, pray for them. Pray for them. Don't, don't ever let the day slip by after you've said some bad things about somebody which, as I said, is necessary. You know, if something comes up at work, somebody's doing something bad, you have to talk about that. It's not like, oh yeah, my Christian belief doesn't allow me to do that. No, 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 no. No, you have to talk about people. That's, that's part of living with people is talking about people. Because sometimes you can do things behind the scenes to actually help them. I mean, there have been many people who have helped me and, and they've done it in a roundabout way where they didn't even have to confront me. They helped me to see what, what my problem was. My issue. Most of the time, we don't even know we're doing it until it's brought to our attention. So if you're going to talk about people, you must also pray for them. You must pray for them. Also, (laughs) what is protected in living a lie? Well, living the truth. Living in the truth. If the prohibition is don't live a lie, then the thing that is protected here is living in the truth. Being truthful. The disciples, John in particular, he says, Jesus was filled with grace and truth. When you looked at, when you were around Jesus Christ, He was filled with grace. You ever been around somebody like that who, who you knew what they were speaking was the truth? You knew, you knew that the way they were living was the truth. You ever had that happen? That was Jesus. That's that's how Jesus lived His life. Truthfully. When you were around Him, you felt the truth about yourself. You felt the truth about what He wanted for you, not what the world says about you. God knows your real name. He knows who you really were made to be. Not the world. Not your parents. Not even your spouse. God does. And you need to listen to those words of truth. Not to live a lie. Not to be false in your life, but instead pursue the truth. And the way you do that is through confession. It's tough. Confession is tough. Do you hear me? Especially on some of these private, hidden sins, confession is tough. But you better do it. And you better not do it just to God. You must do it also to another. Now, not everybody. Everybody's not privy to that information. But you better find somebody that's trustworthy. Here's what James says. Confess your sins one to another so that you might be healed. You ever done that before? 
Confess something that's embarrassing. Confess something that is shocking. Look, you can always find a friend in me. I've heard about all of the things you can do. Growing up in a pastor's home, I've heard all kinds of confessions. It's no longer shocking to me. But I'm shocking to me sometimes. What I get myself into sometimes, what I've seen inside of here that may never be expressed, has been shocking. And confession is the only way to be healed. Again, words. Truthful words. I did this. And I'm sorry. You know, in the garden, after they sinned, they went and hid. Remember? Don't hide. Confession doesn't let us hide it. It's the way of the cross. It's bearing our life to another. All of this points to Jesus Christ. Do not lie. Don't bear false witness. Don't live a lie. But instead, live the truth. Live to build other people up. Live in the truth. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one who builds us up in the Holy Spirit. And He sends to live in us the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth. He can make you truthful. He can forgive you of your lying. He can make you filled with grace toward other people and truth in the world. And you can then speak the truth in love to other people. You can say, you know what, I'm going to correct you on something, but I've been there. I've been right there. I want you to know I'm filled with grace towards you. I don't condemn you. Let's not, be in the, let's not be in the condemning business, but in the grace business. It's the kind of business that God operates. And praise be to God that He does. Because if God was just fair and only just and not forgiving and gracious, then my life would be worthless right now. My life would be worthless. But thanks be to God, He has forgiven me even me, for what I've done. And He has restored me to His love and sent the Spirit of truth to live inside of me so that I can be the truth to the world. His witness to my world that I live in and your world that you live in. Praise be to God for His grace and truth. Amen.